It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays, raining Jays. Millie's. Millie's Welcome back, this is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And we want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine Happy Monday, I know it's not a happy Monday But hey, welcome to Monday Your week's beginning, you're one step closer to it ending So we hope to make your week a little bit better By being here for you Monday through Friday We're the Rain and Jays I am John Corrales I'm a beat reporter for MassLive.com And I am joined by Samuel Jamison Packard Third. Jam! Also known as Ladies Love Cool Jam. Jam. Celtics coming off a 123. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong day. A 115-111 loss to the Golden State Warriors. A wild game. A sort of, kind of, playoff atmosphere. Although Kyrie Irving disagrees. <laughs> Don't go there, my friend. <laughs> Kyrie Irving does not agree. We'll talk about that and the exchange that I had with Kyrie. Uh, later on, we're going to hand out our tacos. We'll talk about Gordon Hayward and his struggles that continue and and all of the whatever that surrounds that. But let's start with what was uh, a really just awesome game. If you could separate yourself out from the Celtics fandom and the Warriors fandom and just kind of look at this as this was an amazing game. I mean, just back and forth tie game with less than a minute to go. It's just two teams that really went at each other. Two teams that uh, very evenly matched in some senses, uh, at least as far as the Celtics have good players where the Golden State Warriors had good players and the Warriors players were just a little bit better on this night. So let's just start there. I think the, the, the big takeaway for me, at least down the stretch Sam was that both teams were imperfect. Both teams had key turnovers down the stretch. It's just that golden state has the talent to still win while being imperfect in a situation game, like in a situation like this, while the Celtics kind of have to be a little bit more perfect to win this game. Yeah. I mean, the, the Celtics really, if you look at it, had, shouldn't have been in this game and they, it seemed like they got four uh or three or four different chances to kind of win or come ahead but the three that smart made to tie the game um was absolutely insane i think he tied it at 111 like a fadeaway three like of course marcus smart makes that uh <laughs> right. it's, it's like it was just absolutely absurd and then you have um kevin durant just like throwing the ball into the stands uh it was just a terrible turnover uh, after that, the uh, Warriors kind of fumbled in on a rebound, giving the Celtics a, uh, another chance to inbound. 
I mean, really, when the like when the death lineup came in, I think there's like a three and a half minutes like left to play. Um, the Celtics' offense really struggled to score after that. And you're right; they they had to be perfect. And in those situations, if it feels like the Celtics really is reliant or are entirely reliant on uh, Kyrie Irving to score. And Kyrie had some insane plays, like he does. But then uh, it seems like after that, the Warriors did a really good job of slowing him down. I thought the Celtics generated some good looks, but. If you're going to win a game like that against the Warriors, you're going to have to you're going to need Mook to knock down that open three. You're going to need Smart not to slip. Like all of those things have to go right. And um, so the Celtics, even though they had a number of different chances, they're just it's it's hard to get past the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors are unfair. <laughs> like it just right, right. I mean, before the game, I was just laughing out loud because it's like, oh, Boogie's on the team, and I I actually thought Boogie was a net negative for the Warriors, and the Celtics were really did a good job of attacking him. But really, just the unfair part is it's like the it's Steph and KD. It's like the 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 uh, the Celtics can play great defense for 18 seconds, and then the the play completely unravels, and it's oh, it's just Kevin Durant at the top of the key who can shoot over everyone, and then he's going to draw foul shots. Right. And so I think the Celtics clearly found themselves as like they're in they're in the same conversation as the Warriors. I think a series be- between them would be mighty entertaining. I think the Celtics definitely have a chance especially if they can kind of move forward and get more from Gordon Hayward or other players. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later in the podcast, but surprise, surprise, the Warriors are really damn good, but you're right. It was a, it was a very good basketball game, uh, um, entertaining from basically all 48 minutes. There's so many layers to this. There's so many ways you can spin it for lack of a better term. Like on the positive side, you can say how many times as Brad Stevens said, how many times has Marcus Morris hit that shot. I mean, that's a shot that he would hit. The only thing, my only criticism of Mook in that situation is he should have just shot it. He hesitated. And the, I, I think maybe, maybe, and I'm just guessing because he's struggling a little bit in January. He's, this is the, the, the first time this season where he's really struggled that he just, he just hesitated for a minute. That's a shot. He should have just caught. Shoot it. He might. He still might have missed, but that's a shot he he should have he should have hit. I think Marcus Smart was feeling himself a little bit. The Marcus Smart confidence maybe got a little too too much. Uh, so on the negative side, you can say Marcus Smart hitting that one shot was like pure Marcus Smart. The second three that he took, the, the next three he took after that might have been a little too much. But but even that was like it was decent ball movement. They found him as like right. you pretty much want him taking on the sh- like. I think the question there is like. It, in the end, will you want Marcus Smart on the court for that scenario, or do you want a better three-point shooter? Because I like I thought it was a decent look. It's just not necessarily the guy you want shooting. I think, and maybe yes, maybe that maybe he still is because it's so back and forth that the trade-off is you maybe the defense you want him on the floor for the defense. I, I'm gonna guess, and again, we'll talk more about Gordon Hayward down the road. If Gordon Hayward catches up to what he used to be or anywhere close to that, maybe he's on the floor in that situation because he is generally throughout his career been a good shooter in that situation and is still a good enough defender where he can do the things that you'd kind of need a defender to do. And you maybe, I'm just saying maybe, but back to the, the back and forth here, uh, the po- on the positive side, you can say that Kyrie Irving, did a lot of good things and Al Horford did a lot of good things. And in so many things you can't, you can't necessarily be perfect on the negative side. You can say Kyrie also 
did try to force a little bit too much. He had a few key turnovers uh, late in that game, and he, I think that baseline jumper was – it's one of those shots where if Kyrie hits it, it's like, holy shit, look at Kyrie being Kyrie, but he misses it, and you start to look at it and say, ah, he forced it a little bit. I think Al Horford got a little too focused on getting Kyrie the ball late in that game. I, I don't remember exactly where in the in the – where it was the turnover. I think it was about a minute and a half left to go, but little, they just threw it to no one. Yeah. Yeah. It got, and it got picked off. I think that's a situation where I think Al Horford and you're down three at that point, work the ball around. It's not, it's not getting to Kyrie. You got about a minute and a half left, work it around. It'll find Kyrie again, just work it around and get it side to side and let Kyrie go get the ball. Once it's, once it's swung, don't try to force it in that situation. And, and he copped to that afterwards that Horford did. So, uh, and then, and then on the, even on the, on the offensive rebound that Draymond got on the positive side, you can say, well, shit happens. Like Marcus smart slipped. He obviously slipped on the negative side. You can say he shouldn't have even been that deep in the lane. He should have been a little closer to Draymond and not, barging in like that and he wouldn't have had to stop so short to jump backwards so you you really can depending on your perspective go either way on this but for me in the end it was considering especially the florida trip that they just had how bad they've looked against some teams this month to go toe-to-toe with the warriors and at least show that they they can be in this conversation I obviously I skew positive. I, I tend to be a little bit more optimistic. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the optimistic side of this thing and say to to see the team step up in that situation and most guys be be able to come out and perform well. Uh, I'm I'm gonna look at this as it, it, I guess a moral victory. I mean, for lack of a better term, I, I'm gonna I just leave it come there. on, bro. I'm gonna channel my inner Jay King and be the negative voice here. Come on, bro. Come on. You got to win the game. Is it? Is it? There's there's is no it? moral victories in basketball. You got to win right. the basketball game. It's your chance to beat the Warriors. Sure. And you know, I'm I'm generally with you with the the positivity and the the process over the results. I thought they had good moments, but it it kind of struck me of uh, how Brad took it after the game because I was kind of expecting him to come out and say a similar thing like we played really well um or like he to be encouraged by it, but he he was more focused on like we would have rather won this one. We got to do. We got to do better so we get the win. And so, I think there's definitely some things with execution that we've brought up that I think that the Celtics can improve upon. But their, I thought their defense down in the second half, especially, was fantastic. I mean, Steph Curry in the second half only had after going off like basically on his, an insane Steph Curry run. He only had seven points and he only had three shots in the second half. And so. Like I thought the Celtics did – there's like a stretch there in the third quarter where they didn't score for five minutes, but um, they really weren't punished by it because Neither they were able like, – yeah, the Celtics did a damn good job on defense. I mean their offense was bad, and we can talk about like kind of the second unit's inability to create, but I just thought they're – despite having those struggles on offense, they were able to hold the Gordon, Golden State Warriors down, and like it was only a six-point deficit going into the fourth quarter – and it's something they were quickly able to kind of recover. So I thought the Celtics' defense um, really shined uh, in this game. It, it, it is a game that they lost, but I thought um, that's how they that's how they're going to win games is their defense being 
uh, kind of their best asset and they're really um, holding teams down. It just turns out that, like, even though their defense was pretty damn good uh, and Kevin uh, Durant was, what, three? He was three of nine in the second half, but he still scored 17 points because he was able to get to the line 11 times. Yeah. It's like there's really not much you can do about that. Let's take a quick break and come back with more on that bench, with more on Gordon Hayward, with more on Kyrie in the playoff atmosphere. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about all of those things. Uh, if you are, uh, if you just got a smart speaker, go ahead and use it to listen to this podcast. If you're at home and you're walking around and getting ready in the morning, you can use your smart speaker. Wake it up and say, "Play podcast Locked On Celtics," or say whatever other podcast that is your one of your favorites that's in the rotation. Go ahead and do that on your smart speaker. It's very easy to do, convenient, and you can do it while you're walking around the place. Do that, and we're going to come right back here on the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Lockdown Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Two kind of conversations here to have on the bench, which includes Gordon Hayward. And so the bench kind of struggled again and the Celtics have had trouble putting together good starting unit minutes with good bench unit minutes it's almost like when one plays well the other doesn't and the Celtics struggle right now is to put the two together now there's the regular season conversation to have there's also the playoff conversation to have that to understand that we saw against the Warriors, some more playoff-type minutes where Al Horford and Kyrie Irving played the entire fourth quarter. Uh, Kyrie Irving played 40 minutes in this game. Al Horford played 35. They're, those are playoff-type minutes. And despite Kyrie Irving disagreeing with the playoff atmosphere, those are playoff-level minutes for him. 
And I think a little bit more of an indicator of what we're going to see come playoff time that Aaron Baines got less than 10 minutes in this game because he was just unable to keep up with the speed of their second unit. And Daniel Tice got a few minutes uh, of playing time, but only about three and a half in the second in the second half. Uh, but for now, the bench unit, uh, aside from Jalen Brown, who wasn't awesome, but okay, the bench unit struggled, and um, it just continues the narrative of Terry Rozier struggles off the bench, and Gordon Hayward is really struggling. Yeah, I think that Hayward is going to get the majority of the, the flack and the emphasis just because this, at least Terry Rozier had those pretty scrappy offensive rebounds, but um, Hayward, uh, this was just one of his worst offensive games. Um, it really seemed like he was when he did get into the paint, he couldn't do anything just like some ugly blocks. Um, I know we keep on saying he's going to get back and he, he's still recovering from things and we don't know what's going to happen. And like everyone recovers from injuries the same way. Um, I guess my slightly negative view is that I would like to see more consistent progress from him. Um, I still like, you, I, you, I would guess the more consistent building blocks of like even just being more aggressive or scoring more than I guess two points a game. The thing is, I like he's still defense. Uh, like his defense is pretty good, especially his team defense. I have in my notes a couple times of him coming up with steals, him doing a pretty good job of just like reacting on team defense. He's like clearly a smart player, but on offense, I just you want to see just more consistent in the positive and. It really hasn't been there unless he's been playing the Timberwolves. Right. You know, he, he did have two steals. He did have a block. Uh, one of those steals was a key one late in the fourth quarter that, that led to a basket. So he he wasn't entirely negative. But at the same time, there, I think his it, this just continues the, the big problem for Gordon Hayward is that it's mental. Like, to me, I see him out there. I see actual improvements physically. I feel like he's running faster. I feel like his his acceleration is better. Um, when he's going from offense to defense and getting back, I feel like he changes speeds and just gets back. Like He does certain things that I'm looking for physically. He does them. Offensively, I think there's still a, a, a mental block that has caused him to be passive uh on offense and when he when he does drive he drives without the intent of scoring he's driving to pass and when that pass is not there he says okay i guess i'll try to score and by then he's he's decelerated he's not attacking the rim he's he's just kind of sort of like okay now how do i get this shot up and it's getting him into trouble i don't think it's quite as much physical even though he may not physically be there yet i think a lot of this a majority of this is a it's still a mental roadblock for him that he just isn't attacking the rim. He isn't attacking with looking to score. He isn't coming down on offensive possessions as often as he should looking for his own shot. And in, even if he is early in the game, like I think early in the game, he was like, he came out and said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take 
a couple of shots earlier in, in, in the shot clock whenever they present themselves. It didn't fall, and th- at that point he shuts down. And that's that's his next hurdle. I, I really do think that so much of this is mental, and he needs to find that way. Whatever it is, however it is that he, he needs to get there, and it's going to take time, whatever amount of time it is, it, it's hard to say because it's unlike a broken bone where you can say, Oh, four to six weeks, and the bone's going to heal. We can look at an x-ray, and the bone will be healed, and you'll be fine. It could be tomorrow. Like, he can go out against Brooklyn and dunk on somebody and be like, oh, Gordon's back, and and have his mentality completely change. Or it could never come back. There's There's a possibility that mentally he could never come back. That's the other side of it. And it's so hard to say. And the interesting thing is, like, it's the like the only way to solve it is to play him. Like, it's got to be total immersion therapy. You just need to get him out there, like having him scale back his minutes or like kind of question his confidence by playing him less. I know, like, that's like kind of what the the immediate reaction is. What people want. And anonymous warriors are saying that he's a liability, <laughs> Draymond Green. But um, <laughs> It's like you, if you if the Celtics are going to be a team that uh, makes the finals, you need him to kind of get his groove back. And um, the only way to do that is just like continue to play him and continue for him to just try and help, like hope he figures it out. So um, it's like an interesting situation for the Celtics to be in. I don't think he's a liability on both ends because, like we mentioned, he's still a pretty solid defender. Um, but, you know, this is maybe like. Kyrie for Kyrie, it wasn't a playoff atmosphere, but this was like the biggest game Gordon Hayward's ever played in as a Celtic. Like this is probably the most uh, pressure he's ever been in, and um, I, I guess I am making an excuse for him for why maybe he didn't show up uh, as much so mentally. But like I don't know if if if, if it's a mental thing for him playing eight thirty ABC game like with national attention. Uh, and he doesn't show up or he doesn't have it like that. I can see why he kind of kind of shrinks from that moment. And obviously he needs to be better moving forward, but not all of us have like the mental, not all of us are mental alphas like Kyrie Irving. Well, there's a point to be made here. Uh, and it's hard to say because when it comes to a mental, whatever it is that's bothering him, um, I think it's important to understand that people are different. How I react to whatever event is in front of me is not the way you react, Sam. And it's not going to be the way Jay reacts. And it's not going to be the way that any of our listeners react there. And and maybe it will be, who knows? It's we're different people with different perspectives, different things that make us react to things differently. So it's hard to say exactly what's going through Gordon Hayward's head. Uh, my only experience is when knowing that being old and washed up and trying to play basketball, how deflating it is to say to myself, Jesus, you really can't do what you used to do anymore. And the first time I got that feeling, it really, really sucked. And now I can't imagine how much you have to multiply that by how many hundreds of thousands of times for Gordon Hayward, 
who is in his prime, his athletic prime. He's supposed to be in his prime. And all this way, he's been getting better and better and better. He's gone from that floppy-haired, goofy kid that Delonte West was giving wet willies to on the court to this guy that was an all-star and sought after and signed to go to the Boston Celtics to play for his former coach and, and was at that press conference with Kyrie Irving like, it's going to be crazy, G. And then all of a sudden, you can't do it. And there's something there that is, it, for some people especially, can be horribly deflating. To say, I can't do the things I want to do can really screw with your head. So whatever whatever Hayward's going through, that's an obstacle I think he needs to get past. Um However he needs to do it, if, if he's going to continue playing NBA basketball, that's his challenge. That's his challenge. Or he's just going to become who he is now, and he's just going to be a decent bench guy that has ups and downs, and, and, that's, it's, it, and I can't tell you which one it's going to be. But he's a competitive guy, and the Celtics have said, they, they, you know, before that first Minnesota outburst, They've said they screwed with him in practice and they fouled him and they messed with him and he this aggressive old G came out. So I feel like it's in there and that's why I I'm being patient and I think that patience is needed because it's it's just so hard to say with him. Uh, I I do want to address before we take another break the Kyrie Irving playoff atmosphere thing where I asked Kyrie Irving and I framed a question because the um he's been talking about the young guys and they need this experience and they almost made the finals. And then here they are playing the warriors. And so I framed this question with everything that was going on to, to Kyrie saying, this is a real playoff atmosphere starting to ask about, Hey, what do you think about this? As far as the lesson to the young guys. And he just shot right back onto me. He goes, no, it wasn't. It was not a playoff atmosphere. Um, what was you as you were watching that? What was what was your take on what he was saying? I don't know. It's almost like a weird semantic thing for him. Is like it's not the playoffs, so it could never be a playoff atmosphere. Like from someone who's been to uh, twenty eight Celtics games this year, like that was definitely like the most intense with the, like the the most crowd energy. Um, in the game and like it feels felt like there was a lot on the line. It was kind of a it was an absolute zoo and circus before the game, like people watching Steph warm up. But I don't know. I was a little like uh, confused by it um, a little bit. But I, I, I it was almost just felt like a weird like his own like semantic definition. It was like it's it's not the this is not the playoffs because uh, it's like the game like just losing one game didn't mean as much. I took it as. And, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. I took it as that Kyrie didn't want to paint this as the type of scenario that he's trying to get these guys to be, be prepared for. And if he is trying to paint a picture of this is what you guys should be ready for, and he comes out and allows this kind of game to be framed as such, then he might feel like, well, no, this isn't, this, this is an injustice to what I'm actually talking about. If you're trying to say, I'm teaching these guys a lesson based on what you think this is uh, as a playoff atmosphere, then that, that that's wrong. Like that's, 
uh, I'm trying to get these guys to a certain place, and this isn't that place. This Saturday in January, as hyped up as it is, because there are a lot of TV cameras and there's a lot of people watching, still doesn't make it what, what that is. So... I found it to be an interesting perspective because what that is, is the actual pressure of this is a series. And if we lose this game, we got to play the same team in two days. And now we've got, we've got that added pressure to beat them or else we're down in a bigger hole. And instead of that, this time, if you, you lose to this team and the next, the next game you have two days later is the Brooklyn Nets. And that's not a playoff atmosphere. So to to Kyrie's credit and and me trying to trying to understand what he's trying to say as much as that one game had all of the hype and the feeling in the building from a player's perspective knowing that okay, we're going if we lose this game like you can say all right, fine. Learn our lessons, go back, watch film, drop a bunch of clichés in the post game pod post game locker room. As a po- you, you could do all that and move on because you've got Brooklyn and you know the Knicks coming up and all of that. As opposed to, okay, we just lost game three and we're down two games to one. Holy shit. Like, that's a different kind of pressure. And I think that's what Kyrie was getting at. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally like losing a playoff game at home. It's just like a, it's a cardinal sin and... Like it totally creates the pressure is entirely different. So I think we're kind of seeing a similar thing here is that as much hype as there is, like if the if the young guys think that this is a playoff game, um, they really shouldn't know. it. But funny thing about the Celtics young guy is that they they all know a, plen- a great deal about playoff pressure because they played some games, multiple game sevens last year and actually closed out the Sixers at home. So it's kind of a weird perspective because like the young guys are like the rare young guys who actually have done this before and have been deep in the playoffs. So um, I don't know. I don't know what to take it from it. That's my, my general takeaway from most of the things Kyrie Irving says is I, I'm unsure of his motives. We are unsure of his motives. Okay. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with uh, tacos. Unless there's any other thing you have from the game. There's a lot, but we're going to have a lot to talk about. There's quite a bit, but, uh, Nothing, nothing worth it. <laughs> We're going to come back with it. We'll hand out our tacos. We hand out weekly awards on the Monday podcast. This is the Monday podcast, so it's our weekly award. It's the tacos. We invite people onto the taco truck, and they can eat to their heart's content. So Kyrie Irving is our just kind of guy that always gets on the taco truck. I don't think this week is any different. He had, uh, he steers, he's, he steers the ship. Is that his phrase? Yeah. Uh, is that, did he say that? No, I'm, I'm saying it right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're combining the old Baines Australian boat and the taco truck truck, then sure. Yeah. He steers the ship. Well, I- and anything you drive can be a ship, and they're all sure. they're all. You have to name it a woman's name because uh, per the rules of boats. Um, but yeah, Kyrie is definitely in charge. He's the driver. He's the captain now. Uh, <laughs> he's the best player on the Celtics. He's insane, um, and he's never going to not be on the taco truck. It's hard to imagine him not being on the truck. So okay, do you have another entrance into the taco truck? Alfred Reneso Horford. 
just because he was awesome against the Warriors, despite we brought up some of uh, his, his turnovers before, but I thought he was uh, just fantastic and was doing a little bit of everything uh, scoring wise uh, and pretty much everything else. I'm trying to, of course I lost the box score here. Nope. I got it back, but he finished with what? 22 points, 13 rebounds, three assists. I thought he was all over the place uh, defensively. Um, he was a plus nine in the game. Like basically when Al Horford was in the game, the Celtics were a better team and they just really struggled in the minutes he wasn't playing. I thought he was the clearly the second most important Celtic. And like for anyone watching who likes doesn't think he has value, it's absolutely insane. He was, he's the, like the best big man you could have, I think, uh, in playing a team like the Warriors. Like when they go small and they go to a death lineup, you want someone who's as versatile as, uh, he can be to play the five who can play five out, who can still be strong defensively, but then can also kind of bust her ass inside. The funny thing about that game is like the Celtics had a lot of defensive possessions where they're putting Kyrie Irving on Draymond green. And a lot of times people will compare Draymond and Horford and kind of their similar types of games. But at no point did Draymond green think I'm going to post up Kyrie Irving and get buckets. Horford is the same kind of like style hybrid player, but he's still a beast in the post. And I actually like thought, when the Cel- when the Warriors went small, the, the the Celtics could have done a better job. They were switching everything. The Celtics could have done a better job of like trying to get Horford on Curry and just really trying to attack that in the post. Um, but that's that's definitely some Monday morning quarterbacking. But this is the Monday podcast. But uh, <laughs> I just think for all all the things he did in that game, uh, Horford definitely deserves a taco. Absolutely, I think not only just for the um, Golden State game, which I, I do think that they could have exploited him on Boogie. I think he just going to Al Horford throughout the the entire game on the mismatches was was the way to go, and I definitely don't think they did it enough. I think he had a fantastic game. He had a fantastic game against Miami, 16 points and 12 rebounds on 8 of 11 shooting there. Uh, and then what did he do against Cleveland? Uh, he sat against Cleveland. That was his rest game. So yeah, yeah, but he he looked he looked damn good uh, when he was sitting. He was wearing a nice blazer T-shirt combo. Yeah, so yeah. he deserves a taco for that too. Absolutely, absolutely. We we'll give him some spicy sauce for that one. Uh, Jason Tatum, I think, has done enough to get a taco. Uh, he started the week off against Miami, shooting eight of thirteen, nineteen points there against Cleveland. Another great shooting night or a decent shooting night. And Busted then, their ass, uh, driving them many times to the rim, and then a 14-point quarter against the Warriors. Like he was the reason they were stale in the game in the third quarter. Yep. He really, uh, his shooting was much better. He's like playing with some confidence. He definitely, it is t- uh, Taco Jay's Taco Truck, and he will be in the Taco Bell Skill Challenge. So uh, he, de- <laughs> he definitely, for brand synergy's purposes, he definitely deserves to be on the Taco Truck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now the question is: Are there any other Taco nominees? That's um, and this is a weekly award. So, I mean, looking back on the week, I don't know. Like, uh, like the Cleveland game was so boring. And so yeah. like, Terry doesn't Rozier really count. An awesome game against Cleveland, but then not so much against Miami and not so much against golden state, which I guess we can throw in this. We didn't talk much about Terry Rozier. Like uh, he, I, I don't know, man. Sometimes it's, it's just so hard to say with this guy. Like he starts again. Of course he starts, but it was against the Cavaliers who are just horrible. Um, and he's, he's just riding high. And then against the Warriors, he just, you know, ni- almost 19 minutes and he just kind of 
not doing much. He had that one put back, but besides that kind of, kind of tough, kind of tough game for him. Yeah. And I'm can say surprise, surprise, another bench player who's been inconsistent, uh, Jalen Brown. Like I thought he had some like nice moments. Clearly his shooting, uh, has improved uh, a lot as of late, but if you talk about those three games, I don't think any of them is necessarily taco worthy. Uh, the same with Mook. Mook is really, uh, is no longer shooting at the same clip he was earlier in the season. And um, I can't can't say he's had an, an amazing performance uh, uh, over the past three games. I don't know. I don't think anyone else is really uh, is demanding a taco that they need. No, I'm, that's it. I'm, I'm kind of I'm tacoed out. That's it. Any other points you want to make? We didn't do a junk drawer. We didn't do any of that stuff. We, we gotta- you know, it's, the game was so good that I didn't really have a junk drawer. Like I'm looking over my notes now, and it's just like I was so focused in on like the good basketball and it being up and down. Like the Cleveland game, it was basically that whole podcast was, was a junk, junk drawer. It was all <laughs> junk. Um, uh, what about Terry Rozier in the jumbotron trivia challenges? Oh yeah, that was fantastic. He, they just getting him on camera and having him guess, uh, basically having him talk with no filter is fantastic. I for what was that? He had to try to guess like movie villains. Yes. Yes, uh, it's it's fantastic. That's the best segment the Celtics do uh, during the game. I will say, oh, well, I mean, if we're going to talk about stuff during the happened during the game, the the Celtics entertainment team without Lucky had a, a a terrible performance. I'm talking missed dunks left and right. Sometimes they didn't even attempt the dunks because they lost the basketball. I mean, it just it was embarrassing uh, for the for the franchise, in my opinion, to just. You have your star out. Other guys need to step up with Lucky not being there. Um, I'm not the biggest Lucky guy, but clearly uh, he's the guy. He's the he's the steers the ship. He's the straw that steers the drink for the, for the entertainment squad. So I just think they need to get better. Do we give Lucky a taco? No, he got injured. I mean, maybe in your standard, historically you've been nicer to <laughs> injured guys, but I'm not giving Lucky a taco, no. Oh, God. All right, fine. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it there. Uh, next podcast comes after the Brooklyn game, I guess. So stick around for that. Hope you are subscribing uh, and hope you enjoy the show enough to subscribe. And uh, if you are a regular subscriber, go ahead, give us that five-star rating, give us a good review, and share the podcast, spread the word, tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and Jay King. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.